Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. We have no guests this week. Uh, the mighty Tim Sway was our guest last week, and he gave us the challenge mm-hmm. of lateral motion. So we'll be talking about that today. And I think, uh, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, we have a guest who will be giving us the challenge at the end of the episode Indeed. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Our challenge is so I had the opportunity to hang out with Nung Walsh, who uh, currently based in Chicago is a curator. Uh, off the top of my head, I know she has worked a lot with Seagraph Asia. Uh, and there's an interesting deadline coming up too. Seagraph Asia is going to be in Japan. So if you have Ooh. any art and technology work and you're looking for a place to apply to, let me double check. I have the date right here. So I think June or July, let's see. I'm going to have to look it up while we're talking, but there's sometime in the in the near future, there's going to be a deadline for that. You've done stuff uh, at Seagraph multiple times, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, well, Seagraph's interesting, man. So there's apparently, according to Nung, and, um, I, and I want to say before I forget, she had a funny story with her name. So I just asked, because you're always so good about it. I asked, you know, <laughs> Just make sure I pronounce your name correctly. I, I invited her to be on as a guest, and she said, yeah. well, you know, let me think about it. And she was listening to some stuff that we had done. She's a friend of Hung's, who we had in a previous oh, episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then um, I asked her how to pronounce her name, and she said it's like it's like Carl Jung, but with an N. Oh. And then I, th- I thought, oh, it's just so easy to remember. And then, and so Walsh is not her original last name. It was her husband's, uh, she took her oh, husband's uh-huh. name when they got married. And, and she kind of felt like, she said, well, I could never pronounce Walsh. So I thought I would take that because he, then he couldn't pronounce my first eye or something like that. So, <laughs> so, so no, you'll have to – I may have gotten that story totally wrong. So so let me know if I did. But, yeah, she's going to be sending along a uh, a challenge for us, which I thought was pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, that's great. Mm. And I suppose I want to throw out there, if if you, dear listener, have an idea for a challenge, just just send it along. Yeah, because you know? as, as if you listen to a few episodes, we occasionally have no guests because booking – guest is a little bit challenging because people have to have mm-hmm. two weeks to do it and we have to line them up back to back every two weeks and so sometimes there's just a misfire in it we just have a hole and so taylor and i take that opportunity to do our own thing but it would be cool to have a guest mm-hmm. uh give us a challenge you know i i also find that a lot of people seem to be intimidated by the structure and i which i think is a good and a bad thing but i, yeah. I think it's true yeah. we're kind of we're kind of asking people to hang their asses out a little bit and uh, risk falling on their faces. I know I certainly have once or twice on this yes. podcast for sure. I even you may even think I do that today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you almost beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll let time to be the judge of that. Yes, that's right. So my recommendation is, Rob. Maybe I don't know if we need to do something as complicated as an additional email address. But like, if you send one, maybe you could just put you know, like challenge in the subject line and then a bunch of hard returns in the body and then we can have one of our dear um, significant others printed out for us. Oh, so yeah. We, we don't know. We don't see it. Yeah. A big part of it is not us not knowing what it is. And that email address is opposablepodcast at gmail.com. So it's not opposablethumbs at gmail.com because that was probably taken in like 1997. <laughs> yeah. As as all other Gmails were, this is opposablepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Instagram, which is opposable underscore podcast uh, there. So either one of those two would be 
a great way to get in touch with us. Whoa, we should just start doing that at the top each time. I know. It just occurred I, to me. Yes, it's true. The reason I have that top of mind is I, I added it to... When we when we tell people we would like to send them a sticker, I realize we're not actually giving them the information that they really need. So I thought I would mm-hmm. uh, All right. highlight that every time. So Can I also give a shout out to just how totally shitty the modern MacBook keyboard is? It's amazing. Have you, yes. Have you been having the same trouble where your space key fails because there's like a molecule that got stuck in there? I don't because I, I refuse to bring my laptop out of the like clean room environment of the Cleaner. JPL. <laughs> so so <laughs> I just leave it at work because I, I can't even, my, my, both my house and my studio are filled with cat hair, sawdust, etc. So mm-hmm. there's no way it's going home. Mm-hmm. So let's see here real quick. Uh, the call for Seagraph Asia, it looks like May, whoa. I think it's the 1st of July is for the art gallery. But then there's all sorts of stuff like technical posters and papers and the computer animation festival and so forth. I've done a bunch, although according to Nung, the um, Asia Seagraph is is significantly different, or at least there's not a lot of crosstalk between Seagraph Asia. uh And and that just may be the art part. Uh, When I did the ones, I've done it maybe three or four times in the U.S., and then up into Vancouver, and it's pretty corporate. I think when I was going, I was a uh-huh. little bit of a dirty hippie. Although my understanding is that the whole thing started off as a bunch of hippies, like smoking blunts and making computer graphics in 1978 or whatever. Yeah. Did the, I mean, blunt, I, did the blunt exist yet? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a great it question. Probably, someone was probably doing it. Someone who yeah. was a, like a smoker aficionado was like, I'm going to combine the two. Paper um, bags exist. Yeah. Oh, wait, is that not a paper bag? Is it a paper bag? I don't know. What's a paper bag? Oh, no, I just meant an actual paper bag. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> it's not like some drug lingo you don't know, like, Rob. Is that what people are smoking now, paper bags? <laughs> I thought, see, well, see, this is what happens when you learn, when you heard about something on the playground and you've never updated <laughs> that knowledge. I thought a blunt was uh, was marijuana in a paper, like rolled up in a paper bag. No, it's a, it just stuck in a Swisher Sweet or something. It's a, yeah, it's a cigar wrapper. It's the it's the Cigarillo. wrapper of a yeah, mm. mm-hmm. the the outer rolling wrapper of a yeah of a cigar. When I was in high school, there was a dude who had a necklace that was made just out of those like white plastic whistles on the end of a Swisher Sweet. Oh my gosh! Amazing. It was a pretty badass, like the kind of uh, mouth, idea. like kind of mouth grip, like a plastic. Yeah, like plastic. like like the city's answer to. Um, oh man, can you edit this so I sound smart? Yes. Who's who's the who's the Gonzo journalist? Oh, Ralph Steadman's uh, uh, buddy. Uh, 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 <laughs> Fear and Loathing uh, in Las Vegas. Yes, yes. I'm googling the word Gonzo. I'm just getting the Muppets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Duh. come on can't Duh. we get this Glennie Hunter Friedman. S. Thompson no Hunter Thank S. Thompson you. yes <laughs> okay so now we now we edit back in it's the uh, it's the it's the city's uh, <laughs> answer to Hunter S. Thompson I, you should keep that all in in, <laughs> in the name of in the name of Gonzo journalism Rob yes warts and all yes that's that would be, that would be what Hunter S. Thompson would want yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to and to have our remains fired out of a cannon by Johnny yes. Depp. Those yeah. two things are, were were crucial. <laughs> he would also want. I have I've been while we're talking. I've been gradually piling a stack of books on top of my laptop keyboard with a little mm-hmm. hole so I can stick my hand between the books to get to the touchpad because my yeah. laptop fan is running and that before has been 
a horrible blight on oh. my audio quality. So I'd, I'd like to see a picture of this. I'll take that's, a picture. That's of some it. good lateral thinking, Rob. That's yeah, some excellent. Lateral. Hopefully, it. Uh, I don't know what it's going to do, but hopefully, it just yeah. like is deflecting the sound. It's somewhere other than in my microphone, but we'll see. Rob, this week. This week was a, or this, I always want to say this week because this week's, I don't know what you say, but the, yeah. it was a, Episode? it was a tough one. I found it tough. I, I, yeah, I, I, I went down three different paths before I got to the path that I have, I like the, before the yeah. fourth path, which is the one I am running with. So to speak. I went really simple and then I felt guilty about it, but at the same time, the point was simple. So I released myself and then I did all this other crazy stuff this, these past uh-huh. two weeks. Uh-huh. I made beer. I, I had a bunch of people over, and we got this little kit from Amazon, and we made beer in the kitchen. Awesome. Uh, it's one thing I did. I learned all about the AT Tiny 85 Arduino uh, replacement chip. Wow. Uh, I could tell you all about that. I got a I got beard grooming. I got a haircut. <laughs> I worked. I I developed my green screen workflow with Premiere. It's just wow. It's this is the podcast was, in everywhere. This is creative prompt in action, right? It's like you get a thing and then you run with it, and you end up running all over the place and maybe landing somewhere. So that's rad. You got Indeed. a beard grooming kit. Yeah, I think um, I think when I was growing up, I I somehow started to feel as though. If I put effort into my appearance, I was kind of putting on airs and acting mm-hmm. like I was better than thou. And so I almost I almost dressed down as a favor to other people. It's a very Gen <laughs> X. It's very Gen that's a very Gen X perspective. Oh, you feel you think I'm just a slave to my generation there. That could well, be. I mean, I feel the same sure. way. I think, you know, I don't know. I think it's maps in some ways to I don't know. I think it may be generational. I don't know. I always think that I think because, if it was very put yeah. together though. Me? Well, 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 tell me what you were going to say first. Oh, I just feel like, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out like what what people who are 24 instead of 44, mm-hmm. like where they're, like how they, how they see the world maybe differently than me. And I realize yeah, that's kind of sure. stupid, but, but in some ways it's just different because they have a different historical or social cultural connections than I do. Um, mm-hmm. And also like I've been... Uh, this gets into like a really big topic that is maybe too much for the podcast, but is um Just let it out, let it off the chain, dude. Like everybody, like I was like a a weirdo punk rockery kid in high school, but mm-hmm. it's like if I if I could count the number, if I had a nickel for every single time someone references <laughs> punk rock as like <laughs> an influence, yeah. cultural influence, or whatever, whatever, and it's like. I went to a big high school and there was really only like 15 or 20 of us, you know? So like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I just don't, I, I'm very skeptical of that historical framing of things. And like, I feel like joy division, for instance, is a band that like a few punk rocker kids liked at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had already, weren't already not a band anymore in like 80, this was like 87. And then like, I, I just I, like it's just baffling to me, and so then I'm like, well, what? How? How? How does? How do people who are much younger than me sort of? How are they? I mean, they must be really tired of it because it would be sort of like me being like, like hearing about hippies or something again, or like Woodstock. It's like, give me a break, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, a bunch that of people went to Woodstock. Together, by the way, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it just I don't know. So I've been trying to tease apart like, um, how uh histories like the the mm. weirdness of history kind of 
and cultural reference happens. And so, I don't know, that's a long rambling way of saying like, I'm just trying to figure out like how certain things of my generation just are, are, aren't true or feel weird, but also I'm, I'm, I feel an adhesion to or connection to in some way. So I would like to argue that punk rock as it existed for you cannot exist like that for people from any other time and place. Yes. Right. Right. True. And I think that, yeah, so for when people refer to punk rock now, they're not referring to your punk rock, you know? Right. I mean, the, 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 right. the term as a sort of zeitgeisty thing has been redefined by, you know, its social currency has changed around. I mean, I was just, while well, you were saying that, I was trying to think, what, what actual punk rock did I listen to? And all I could come up with was the band Rancid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think uh-huh. I, had, yep. I think I had, like, one Rancid album, and I thought... Yeah, it's, it's kind of neat that these guys let this dude sing with them, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah, he has I'm a horrible sure. yeah. voice. But the, you know, and I, and I remember it finally, but, but I think the only reason that I, I had that album was because they played it on the radio, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And did, uh, did you listen to Operation Ivy ever? No. And, and I mean, it's, they definitely had some attractive graphic design, but that's uh-huh. kind of my uh-huh. only my, That was my his only band connection. before Rancid? Tim Armstrong. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that was the same guy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So he has like a ska punk history before Rancid. Yeah. And I, ironically, just to bring this back to the podcast, like that was how I saw uh, uh, Tim Sway had an Operation Ivy like thing he had put made on his uh-huh. Etsy thing. And I was like, holy crap. Like I haven't seen that logo in forever, which is probably what you're talking about too. It's Operation the Ivy. The jumping guy, a, right? Yeah. Had a like very the... great sort of iconographic. Mm-hmm. totally yeah and so uh yeah anyway so yeah and so for me who i'm slightly older than you like i have this thing where like rancid was a band like i didn't know operation ivy when they were a band but then i did know rancid when they were a band but i hadn't i knew of operation ivy before that so i was just like oh this isn't as good as operation ivy <laughs> you know, or whatever ridiculous <laughs> yeah, sure. like posturing you would have when you're 19 years old well so even for you even when you were 19 you were already getting into that this thing isn't this thing. Yes. Yeah. Because of my interpretation of it. Yeah. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago playing, um, you know, 1990s hip hop in a Photoshop class because I was bored because I can teach Photoshop in my sleep. Yep. You know, <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't come across that way. But the uh, I was playing something and this guy said, you know, could, could we put on something a little more contemporary? I was like, oh, no. Wow. <laughs> no, you did it. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and whenever I come to visit you in LA, we put on that one station, and oh, like yeah, we Katie. have a very specific set of memories around that. But you know, that's oldies, dude, and yep. it's it's never going to be oldies to me. But yep. I got to recognize that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know. Speaking of teaching Photoshop in your sleep, I have been mm-hmm. for the past two weeks, Mister Fusion three hundred and sixty. This is unrelated Hey-o. to the challenge. This is Excellent. sort of unrelated to the challenge. It was one of the paths I was going to take, but. Uh, uh, Taylor, I, I have touted your your Linda class before, and I will do it again. Uh, it is a I great jumping off point tout. if you want to learn Fusion yeah. 360. Fusion 360 is super whack. I'm just going to say Yes. <laughs> like, hey, I am I am no big fan of it, even though I, I taught a whole thing on it. But it's awesome. Like In spite of it being super whack, it's like yep. really awesome at the same time. But that UI is just a mess. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, and I think part of the problem with this with cloud-based systems is that 
if it can change at any time, and if you're forced to download the entire update yeah. when, <laughs> whenever you want to log into it, I mean, that creates some significant friction when you're trying to learn something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the same time, there's this really active dev community outreach thing where you get on there and you say, I'm pissed off that X is like Y. And if you can get enough people to vote yep. for it, then they'll just change it. They'll just which change it. Yeah. I don't think was. I mean, are there are there examples of that in more traditional models of software? Um, you know, it's funny. People, I think, reference Fusion 360 when talking about that model. You know, when talking yep. about mm-hmm. um, product development or like uh, using uh, like sprint cycle based, you know, product development, where you're like every three weeks we're gonna come up with a set of features and we're gonna get mm-hmm. those done. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> in some ways it's great because like it it does it does scratch certain issues in a really responsive and interesting way. But yeah, like many Fusion three sixty videos I look at have nothing to do with the Fusion three sixty that's in front of me, other than like me being right. really attentive to what they're doing and like figuring out probably how that feature shifted. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was well because that was part of the thing is with Linda, I'm contracted to respond to. You know, people writing in and saying, oh, there's a problem with the... And, you know, very few people do this. If I were to compare the number of... I mean, I think that video's had a couple hundred thousand hits or something, but the... You know, I've only maybe been contacted explicitly by, like, 20 people. Yeah. And only a couple of them are complaining. And um, I think, the like, the one time I wrote back, I just said, you know, well, maybe you could just watch this one part of the video again. Yeah. (laughs) The answer is... Right there, but yeah, that is that. I think the hardest thing about recording it was it does this kind of cloud saving of your files, and that it automatically does revision or does uh, versions yes. on all your files. Yeah, yeah. So then, if you imagine me trying to record a set of videos with progressive file, with like progressive moments in a file. Yeah. In any other program, I would just you know I would just save off version you know underscore one underscore two and so forth. It was a nightmare <laughs> to come up with that yeah uh and i, I think i finally you know i finally uh, was just saying to linda you know guys we just have to not offer demo files for this because it's like everyone's just going to get so confused yeah um me included so yeah that was an interesting process but i guess that's all kind of insider baseball for anyone who's ever done a screencast i encourage you to check out taylor's linda uh video because it is it is a study in the expertise of of screen of talking through a screencast and having certain things you know whenever you're talking through a screencast something will go a little bit sideways or like (laughs) not be where you expect it to and as someone who does that a lot just in my job and stuff it's so great to pick up on your handling of those situations and Mm. you just like you were just like knocking balls out of the park just like boom boom and i was like wow this is so pro so anyway, it was great. That's, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's something that in my contracts that have happened more recently, I've actually made that a really distinct um, request whenever I'm talking to, because there's pretty much two camps there when it comes to education. You know, some of them want to see from a marketing purpose, like we don't make mistakes, everything's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And I'm so intent on, you know, showing the problems and kind of working through them. Um but yeah, I could go on about that all day. So, yeah. Rob, you're 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 too kind. Yeah. But but before <laughs> we leave it behind, I think of you as very put together. You don't think of yourself as put oh. together? I don't know. I feel I don't feel put together. 
you, you, but you've got your really specific, like you had silver shoes for 15 years and now you yes. have purple shoes. Yep. Like, it, I mean, it, it, don't you think that your look is really articulated? No, it is. It is. Part of it is because I'm also trying to, I don't know. It's not a, it's not a midlife crisis, but you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, what am I, where am I going with all this? I mean, you did go just adopt a kid. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'm fostering a kid. I have, there, there's yes. no, yes. Yeah. I suppose there's a big difference there. There, so, there is, yeah. Is that midlife crisis-y? I, I think, uh, for, I would imagine if not, if a midlife crisis didn't inspire the act, I imagine the act would have inspired the midlife crisis. Yes, the act has, <laughs> that's exactly it. Yes, yes. It was not inspired by one, but it has inspired one. Yes. Yes. I'm going to edit all this out. <laughs> yep, all gone. <laughs> all gone. Poof. Get, it, get, all, get all the feeling out. Cutting room I floor. I didn't sign up for the feels. Yeah. I signed up for the fails. Should we, should we, uh, should we should we should get, we get share our fails? fails? Please do. Uh, who goes first shares? today? I forget. You go first. Ah, uh, so I have a a wee little um, zip file. Oh, I can't get to, to my keyboard. I got I got to move some books. <laughs> oh, command tab. There's nine books in the way of me and Command tab over to the way to get to this. Mm-hmm. This is what our hold music is for. Okay. Oh, three images only. Keeping it, keeping it high and tight. Uh, let's see. Should I just look at the first one? Yep. Okay. <laughs> In the first image, I see there's many things on a tabletop. Really nice um, butcher block table top style thing. Okay, I'm gonna start in the I have upper to left. Apologize t- for that table because it's from Uline. Oh no! Sorry, Sorry Taylor, about that. You're supporting the right winger. Never again. Never again. Yeah. Okay, so I see in the far upper left hand corner a uh, like proto board with some wires and stuff soldered into it, and some other stuff, and we'll see what's up with that. And then I see. Uh, there's like a resistor, unsoldered end resistor, but with the ends bent as is, as if to be soldered there on the upright. And then some green <laughs> electrical tape, probably. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a, I don't know how to describe this, but I'll give it a shot. Um, it's a little metal tab that, um, like if you've ever hung a picture or hung like any sort of electrical electronics device on the wall... There's like a a small hole and a big hole, and they're connected. And you put the screw head into the big hole, and then slide it down a little bit, and then the small hole wraps around the screw head, and then your electronic, like your router or modem, or whatever, doesn't fall off the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe what that. That's that's the best I can do to describe that. This is metal, a little metal tab, and it's freestanding. It's just like this little thing, like a picture hanger or something like that. Um, oh, there's some. Uh, like kite twine kind of kite and it uh kind of twine and it's wrapped around this really great cardboard i aspire to make these for myself these like cardboard twine wrapping things so like instead of it being on a spool imagine a kind of five by seven piece of corrugated cardboard that then has like a notch uh dug in it so it's wrapped up and looking like it's about to be deployed for something and then there's a really great old school like sixth grade style protractor, the Helix 10 L07 uh, protractor that looks like it's seen some use and abuse. 
and then a green straw. That's what, that's what I've got. And they're all just kind of laid uh, willy-nilly on the table. Artfully scattered. Artfully scattered, yes. Oh, okay. Image two. Okay, so we have the protractor, and we have... Oh, that green thing is a straw, I think. And mm-hmm. the straw is now a protractor. Uh, I feel like my, my, my growing up in the South is affecting how I pronounce protractor. I think people just say protractor. You know oh, no, saying? no. You hit, you hit it right the first is time. It right? Protractor? Okay. That's how I'm getting. Because I say umbrella, and that always is a Southernism. Okay. <laughs> TV. TV. <laughs> the TV. So, uh, okay. So, protractor has one flat side and one side that's like half a circle, right? Um, if you go back mm-hmm. to sixth grade uh, geometry. And so, on the, on the flat side of the protractor, it's so, this protractor is sort of watermelon. Uh, if you think of a watermelon, the flat side is at the top, and then the curved part is at the bottom of the image. And the green straw is taped to the protractor at the top. So the flat side of the protractor has a, a green straw taped alongside of it. And then the center of the protractor is a piece of that twine that's maybe six inches long. And there's a heavy hex nut uh, dangling off the edge, stainless steel looking hex nut that's probably three quarters of an inch, something like that. Uh yeah, so there's it. Lynn, it looks like this is going to be some kind of just imagining what this could do. It feels like it could be kind of a drawing device or a way to. There's some sort of geometry or trigonometry mm-hmm. motiony vibe to this that I can't. I don't. I can't articulate and don't really know how it will manifest. But with a straw and a string and a nut, it seems like there's like distances and angles that could sort of be connected together in an almost puppet-like fashion or something so that's yep. that's the vibe i'm getting from this which i'm enjoying so image three oh i didn't see this coming so <laughs> image three <laughs> is a, a photo of the sky or or the photo of some kind of sky but it looks like the real sky and there is a picture of the Big Dipper and of the Small Dipper, I think. And mm-hmm. there's an arrow. So I've always heard this, but never totally understood it. And now Taylor has made this very clear that, uh, Taylor, you're going to jump in on this, so I may get this wrong, so correct me, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always heard that the, the, the two stars in the Big Dipper, in the cup of the Big Dipper, the two end stars are pointing to the North Star. And what I think is happening here, and I, what I didn't know, is that the North Star, if this is the North Star, it's the beginning of the handle of the Little Dipper. But yep. I'm not sure of that. But that's You are 100% right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. My 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 like very basic astronomy is kicking in. But what I'm not sure of is... Oh. Oh. Maybe what Taylor made is some sort of, there's all these things that people who sailed ships used to use, like sextants and other kind of things that I can't remember Uh the name of. So it might be that Taylor has made one of those. Indeed, yeah. You got pretty much all the way there. So uh, I was, uh, when I was running around like a chicken on sabbatical with his head cut (laughs) off and doing all these different projects this week, I sort of... um, I, I allowed myself to relax into uh, literalism and just wanted to find out how complicated it was to find uh, the latitude oh. of my posi- position on the earth. Uh-huh. 
Um, and so uh, looking it up, it turns out it's super, super easy. Uh, really, all you need is a um, an arc that represents a quarter of a circle. Okay. And so you're looking you're looking between effectively zero and ninety degrees. Okay, and that's and your pro- if, protractor shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So what you do is you're looking for the distance in terms of or the angle that's established when you start looking directly at the horizon and then tilt your eye until it's looking at the north star. And so. Uh-huh. So latitude is the position uh, on the the vertical um, divisions that you put on a globe, right? So uh, in Chicago, if I go out at night, it's it's interesting because the image that I found to demonstrate the relationship between the Big and Little Dipper is upside down to me. So when I went out there and looked, the Big Dipper was on top and it was pointing down at the North uh-huh. Star. Uh-huh. But it looks it it would appear that you know depending on where you are on the globe, that's going to be that's going to be a different orientation. Um, and so yeah, I used a drinking straw and tape, and I think a protractor I found on the ground somewhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly have not protracted so hard that my protractor would look like that. There's um, a school close to you, right? Like a. Oh yeah, they, yeah, we're lousy with them. <laughs> I think my my little my little quinceanera crowd who was running around out there was probably um, uh, descriptive of that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so you just you pointed out there, and then if you think about it, the way the protractor is set up, if you're looking at the horizon, then your string is hanging right at ninety. So effectively, that's zero. And then as you tip up, you just start adding degrees to figure out where you're at. And then using this thing, I just took one measurement. I mean, you know, you could take multiples and divide them by the number of attempts. But I got 40 degrees, and then the actual super precise latitude of my position is 41.8781. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, you know, like with a with some, just the shittiest little <laughs> pieces of crap. And you, you could really do this with a piece of paper, too. I was thinking about this, like, what... What would be the, like, say I, w- I just washed up naked on a shore somewhere, you know, could I figure this out, at least how far north or south I was relative to the equator? Um, and yeah, if you could get, like, tree bark and then wrap it into a little tube, and then I was thinking, uh, Audrey made this great, she was actually the one that suggested I try this in the first place, but she also oh, said, cool. yeah, if you were if you're washed up on a desert island, like, you could grow your hair until it was long enough to get the string. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, for hanging the weight or whatever. So... So latitude is Audrey's totally... the person I'm hanging with on the plane crash. For real, dude. Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> well, she she has definitely got that management labor thing. Like she'll have the dope yeah. ideas, and then we'll be out there sweating to uh, get them done. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. She's no fool. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so that one's really easy. Now, uh, longitude is more interesting because it's a lot harder to get without tools. Do you know how to find longitude? No. <laughs> so in that case, uh, it's not so much about, I think it's possible to do making comparisons between the sun and the moon, but you also have to have a giant book with you. So so the thing that I, I did, I could effectively figure out with no external information, except, you know, how to do it, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but in terms of longitude, um, and it, it took a long time for sailors to be able to figure this out too, so it wasn't until the advent of really accurate watches that this could work correctly. So you just set effectively an arbitrary place. So I believe where they set Greenwich Mean Time, uh-huh. that's where they establish is like the zero hour yes. for time, right? It's sort of the equator 
of the of longitude. Yeah, exactly. They, right. they're like yeah. the north south equator, right? So the yeah. um, so well, hang on. No, it's the east west equator. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Depends on how you think about it. So, so in that Those case, what you do, <laughs> so you go out. So say that you're you know far away, uh, like a, at least a couple time zones away. So basically, the longitude marks there's 24 of them as they go around the Earth. Okay. And so that way it just corresponds to the hours of the oh. day. Uh-huh. So you look up in the sky and you wait until the sun is as high as it's going to get at your particular spot uh, on that particular day, which is always going to be between 1130 and 1230, wherever you are. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe that falls down, you know, as you get close to the poles. But so you so say it's noon and you notice how high it is, then you look at your uh, watch and what you need to have done is set your watch to Greenwich time. And so then, um, so when people, when this was finally invented, when the clock was accurate enough for this, you'd set your watch to Greenwich mean time, and then you'd go out sailing, and then you'd look at the sun when it was the highest. And if your watch read like four, uh, depending on which four it was, then you would subtract four hours to get back to Greenwich mean time. And that would put you like four longitudinal um lines out does that make sense uh yeah because you're four hours off yeah so you know how many how many lines to count like how many time zones basically okay yeah four get you where you are okay Mm -hmm. got it so that one i mean that one it was it was the kind of thing where i felt like because i already know where i am so that one's more interesting if you don't know where you are but then you also have to be prepared with a watch uh, that's counting down from this known location. Um, so that one I didn't bother doing, but I just read about it to see what it was all about. I see. So let me let me see if I have this right. So for longitude, mm-hmm. imagine you have your watch, which is set to GMT, mm-hmm. and that watch says it's 15 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's the sun is at its peak at 15 o'clock, you're looking outside, and you're like, the sun's at its peak, but my watch says it's 15 o'clock. So the sun's at its peak around noon. Right. So and you know let's you're, say three you're three off hours off. Right. Because 12, 15 minus 12 is three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So then because the sun is getting to its spot later, you know that you are to the west of Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh-huh. So that would mean that you are three longitudinal divisions away from Greenwich Mean Time to the west. Um, And then I would imagine that there's some calculation that gets you more specifically there because I would assume that you would see the sun is at a certain height and then your your watch would actually say, you know... 15, 3, 2, and 20 seconds or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. So, right. so part of it's going to be an observation error because it's going to be hard to tell exactly when the sun is at its highest point. But I would assume that you can at least get down into singular minutes. Um, if not, you know, like you don't have to rely just on hours. And then, then I think that would take you between the different longitudinal divisions. So, wait, okay. So is this... Am I thinking about this right? So I've always heard this usage of minutes and seconds to talk about location or oh, distance. Oh, interesting. And is that well, cause the I think it specifically thing? relates to arcs, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, so I think maybe it, it is. Oh my gosh. This is like one of those things where you're like, I'm always like, this is just a bunch of garbage. Like, 
like, like you know, you're just like, I don't understand this stuff. And then, like, when you unpack a little bit, you're like, oh, man, there's all this, like, logic that someone applied to this thing that well, makes maybe. a lot of sense, but I just so sort of the, was able to ignore it. The Guardian says, the division of the hour into 60 minutes and the minute into 60 seconds comes from the Babylonians oh. who use oh, no. a sexagesimal, or 60s, uh-huh. counting system for mathematics and astronomy. And that was derived from the Sumerians. So maybe, wow. maybe. But, but, but I think the connection you're making seems like a reasonable one. So we should uh-huh, follow uh-huh. up on it. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I like, dig it. Yeah, that stuff is like, even like GPS, you know, it's like essentially, it feels like it's three digits maybe, hours, minutes, and seconds or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, what? Like that's time. That's not distance. Like it just like... I don't know. It like it like Reb, you're like you're like two steps away from finding Illuminati hand signs on yes. the video. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Totally. Yeah. So dude, dude that's cool. So I, I have I do have one question about the thing you made. Sure. And everyone should look at the a picture of it because it will immediately make a lot of sense as soon as you see one photo. But um mm-hmm. I'm gonna do my I have a question about the thing you made. So yeah. the um so the protractor has a green straw across the flat side. Is that what you're supposed to line up to the horizon? Well, so the the assumption is that if you were looking through the straw at the oh, horizon, then the I weight see. would read zero. I see. So you hold, you look through the straw almost as mm-hmm. to be like a handheld telescope. Yep. Got it. Okay. You, and so you then could, the... you could probably just look down the edge of the edge of the protractor. It just right, makes right, it a little right. easier to isolate with your eye. To have like a sight. Uh, uh, okay so you're looking through down the hole of the straw just like if you were to look down into the bottom of your drinking cup but you would look through the straw and then the nut because it's in the middle is at the zero point of the protractor so if you are tilting you're tilting the protractor upward Mm -hmm. i assume and in doing so you've moved the the nut the string held by the nut goes from zero to say 40 degrees right which was your case yeah, you just you assume that the nut starts at zero on the horizon, and then yes. as you move away, you add whatever degrees you accumulate. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Okay, so and so you got to forty degrees on your protractor, and the hard science, like we calculated this with some crazy uh, atoms and stuff, <laughs> and hard math is forty-one point something. Yeah, forty one point eight. So Dang, it, got, dude. it did. It did pretty good. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I'm assuming it's out of. Well, actually, this is convenient. So if you think about it, uh, I as well. Let's see. I guess there would be ninety total, right? So it was because uh-huh. I was going to say at first, well, there would be a hundred eighty degrees of possibility, and so I was actually getting in down to a one percent margin of error. If I'm understanding how that math uh-huh. would work, uh-huh. but it's actually, but I'm guessing that it can't be any more than ninety because if it's more, then I'm just looking the wrong direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm, uh-huh. I'm not going to go up over the back of my head. Yeah. So if it's yeah. ninety, then that suggests it's within a two percent margin of error. I mean, that's right? yeah. So there you if go. I was in a boat or something, that would be good enough for me. I'm in a boat. <laughs> wow, that's cool, man. Wow. So this is a sextant. That's what that thing is. I think a sextant's much more complicated. I believe oh, okay. this is a quadrant. A quadrant. Uh, wow. And there's a bunch of different kinds. I was going to make one at first that you could do during the day, 
but it involved it was just a lot more complicated where you had to make i mean you know making stuff's fun but the I, I, something tickled me about knowing something about a celestial body with some electrical tape and like, and like yeah. some piece of plastic i found on the ground yeah that was great yeah because i always imagine like these things are only made by like hermetic machinists yeah who are stockpiling so. brass you know and like <laughs> calculating the 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 how the temperature of the brass is affecting the accuracy yeah. of their measurement or something well i think i think there is an almanac out there so you have to figure out on any particular day of the year uh-huh. because of uh-huh. the tilt of the earth yeah yeah how cuz the north star clearly is not exactly north and it changes with the seasons but i think uh-huh. we're pretty close to we ju- uh what's the word i'm looking for didn't we just go by the longest day of the year the other day yes the, the summer solstice no yeah, spring so- spring equinox no i think it's the solstice solstice whatever no, it is i'm looking for and uh, we'll have to ask uh, Meg- megan trainer will be scolding us furiously yes. for yes. getting this <laughs> the solstice wrong but uh whatever it was i think that that actually helped with my because uh, I'm assuming, or would the tilt be the least right in the middle? That's a good question. Mm. Let's not go too deep, because uh-huh. because uh, I think yeah, here here be here be monsters, Rob. Here, yes, we have new questions. I have very few answers, and they are, they have been exhausted. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Wow. Now, bro, I want to check out this video. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, let's, uh, hopefully it's ready to look at. The number of times I have been uploading a video on a laptop in a car headed somewhere else is pretty high. <laughs> and today, okay. I uploaded a video right before the podcast. I'm uh, it's looking like it's going to work. Okay, Should yeah. we uh, start at the same time? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one. Here we go. All right. I'm seeing Rob's shoes. I'm seeing nail polish remover. We're cleaning up those kicks, so they're perfecto. Uh. Rob is definitely a shoe horse. I, I'm, I maybe I'm supposed to know that these shoes are a particular kind of awesome, but to me they're nope. just uh, just shoes. Yep. We have shoes. been talking about the um, the shoe king. I'm forgetting that YouTube star's name. Oh, yes. So I'm curious if he's retro play snickers into, into things. I'm channeling retro snickers for sure. So Rob is at first he had nail polish remover, but now I can't tell if he's actually brushing a silver coating onto the right shoe. Uh, and now the coating, which is partially opaque, is being hit with a hair dryer. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's really loud. Can't tell what's setting the hair dryers on. I it's, am a, hot. it's a Clairol Salon Power fifteen hundred. It is. It is. I've had it forever. Yeah. Uh, now we're brushing a little bit more. Yeah, I, I really have no idea where we're going with this. Um. The brushing is kind of bringing out the, uh, I don't know if this is real leather or not, but the, the sort of wrinkly, it's like your shoe has crow's feet. Yep. The shoe likes to laugh. <laughs> uh, so he keeps brushing, shoe. keeps on doing the vac. It makes me wonder, is this some kind of, okay, so now the silver is getting more and more opaque. Rob, I think we have established that right now your shoes are purple, they are, but I want. Is this a triumphant return to silver for Rob? Well, my question. We'll see. Oh, and that, we'll now see. we get a little a little peek at the. So it is a metallic paint. Uh, 
the shoe is going into the oven, but we only got that for two seconds, so I don't know if it was heated or... Or maybe we're only painting the tongue. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so what you, what you saw, just in summary, was me painting the the tongue of of a pair of shoes mm-hmm. uh only one of the shoes and ha- um that was sped up so how many times would you say roughly <laughs> i spent painting that tongue well so so the tongue has black and dayglow green on it so i'm kind of horrified that you didn't just paint it black and then white first <laughs> Uh, so yes that was first mistake (laughs) my first mistake yeah how many was it and it says so on the bottle that i didn't realize this is the uh, the tragedy of buying something online and just being like that'll work Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that if Mm -hmm. you don't read how to use it you learn that it says on the bottle of so what i'm talking about by bottle is i I bought a bottle of silver shoe paint Mm mm-hmm it's pretty it's cool a stuff. literal shoe paint. Wow. Yeah, I know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and what it says in the bottle is, uh, can be blended with other colors and is recommended that you paint whatever you're using uh, first white. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and <laughs> I did not. I, I bought this thing. I thought it would be, um, I guess, is the right word opaque enough? Like, I thought it would mm-hmm. be, yep. yeah, not translucent anyway and it is mostly translucent and so i painted this shoe the tongue of one shoe for hours (laughs) (laughs) oh were you intending to do the both shoes all the way yes yeah and Uh, then i realized that that was going to take forever Mm -hmm. and so i decided what i would do instead is just paint the easiest part of the shoe the kind of the tongue without laces in it is like flat and like easy to paint and not curvy and weird and not you're not like prone to get paint on somewhere that you mm-hmm. wouldn't want to get it on and and it was to the point but then i was like when you're painting just a small area and you need to paint it hundreds of times over and over and over again you have to dry it somewhat quickly otherwise it's going to take you weeks just to like mm-hmm. paint a thing it's acrylic so it dries pretty quick but not that quick so you paint it and then you're like okay it's wet now i can like go do a thing for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and come back. And then I was like, oh, well, I have a gas oven, which has a pilot light in it. So the heat in there is a dry heat. And it's probably 120 or something in there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's it's warm. And so I was just putting my shoe in the oven over and over and over again to dry <laughs> the paint out faster. Now that is some lateral thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I interpreted lateral motion. And so I got to this one because... This is actually Taylor. Uh-huh. Holy holy crap. We both interpreted lateral motion as this reference to the to the earth's surface. Whoa. Well, I'm I still am not making I mean apart from your feet making contact with the earth, tell me yes, more. Yes. That's what I was like I'm going to I'm going to do something with shoes because when I think of lateral motion, I think of walking across the surface of the earth. Mm-hmm. And so Taylor took took to astronomy to explore the same concept and I took to painting a pair of shoes for the same the hev- the heavens and the earth below our feet. Yeah, and I, I also like that Tim Sway who gave us this challenge, he had done he had worked with Carolina um to work on a making a, a pair of vegan pair of shoes, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. 
I, I like to wear silver shoes, but they don't really make the ones that I like anymore. But there's a low top version of the shoe that I really like that I had got that is really cheap and it's the pair I got. And it's really cheap because I think no one likes the color of these shoes because <laughs> they're really garish and kind of it's like neon camo, but it's not quite camo. Yep. And I got them for like $25 and I was like, I'm going to take these $25 pair of shoes and I'm going to paint them to be the shoe that I like. I, th- I think if you return to this one, you can make it happen. Yes, that's For what I'm sure. going to do. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. I did is I, I have purchased the a light gray color, which I thought would be a good base coat for the silver. Um, and I'm going to paint the whole thing light gray. And then... Although I, think, I do think you want to consider black first. Because oh. cut, cutting through... Uh-huh. Like if you pick something, anything else is going to let other things come through. through. So if it all goes black and then it goes white, You're right. it'll effectively go gray. You're right. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. you won't yeah. see the... Yeah, I should go I black, on it. black as a, like a knockout, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. go white to knock out the black, which is yep. easy to tackle, and then Steps, the silver. Dude. Yes, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. I will say so far, um, the paint that I used is called. Let me find it. Oh, so I started with a hair dryer first, and then I was like, you know, I have an oven. I can just stick it in the oven. I don't have to hold this hair dryer for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, is called Angelus paint leather paint and it's great like it's quite thin leather and they paint. say it's quite thin but it's really pliable and so far like it, it hasn't cracked or anything and I want to try wearing it to see how it does so retro snickers did you I think Taylor you you shared retro snickers with me I believe so yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. retro snickers is a fairly young person who has stopped posting YouTube videos uh-huh. um yeah he has fame got to him. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I wonder what's up with that. Like, I think he even made a pair of shoes for um, DJ Khaled or something. Like, he modified a pair of shoes for a famous mm-hmm. person. But he is a shoe restorer and modifier, and his work is awesome. Um, and I, I have a fantasy of making this video in in the style of retro Snickers, which is a very specific yeah. style, which would be cool. But um, who's gonna mo- who's gonna model him for you? I know. I need to find somebody who would do that. Uh, he always has like an interesting kind of model person to model the shoes and like use puts them in like an urban setting quote unquote to like make them look cool um (laughs) danger danger yeah (laughs) well i mean urban like like he'll it'll be like you know he lives in houston so it'll be literally an urban setting yeah the houston streets you know or whatever um yep i did also pick the tongue because i thought like it's a place where i can make a mistake the easiest you know like there's a Mm -hmm. lot less error like I can cover my errors up easier there than anywhere else. Sure. But anyway, so yeah, so uh, uh, this is one I got to come back to, but I'm excited for the possibility. And you'll see at the end of the video, I did get to a place where it's mostly silver, so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it seems feasible. Well, I have in my hot little hand a text from Nung Walsh, but we're gonna oh, we're gonna, gonna wait till the, at end. the end. Should we? Uh, should we close it up with the biz? Yes. It won't be a very long wait because the biz is short. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, so um, photos of my shoes in progress. And I'll, 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 um, I have a video, so you'll see the video. And I'll, I'll try to finish at some point, And then I'll update the blog post with the finished project, maybe, if I can. Um, is projects.opposablepodcast.com. And you can see Taylor's awesome. Wait, it's not a sextant. It's a what? A quadrant. A quadrant. Yeah, cool. Mm. So our projects are over at projects.opposablepodcast.com. And you can also see um, all of the projects that we've done. So you can see all of our guest stuff up there and all sorts of other stuff. 
and it's it's really cool way to just get an understanding of what the podcast is all about uh and see all the stuff we've made um we have really cool opposable thumb stickers so if you'd like one just share an episode of the podcast in some way shape or form and let us know about it uh and you can contact us on instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email opposable podcast at gmail.com the sticker is our awesome uh, neon thumb wrestlers logo created by wolf mask and you can check out his uh really cool artwork over at wolfmaskart.co.uk we like to give nick kantar and walter katundu a shout out as our top patreon supporters thank you nick and walter mm-hmm. if you'd like to join them in the league of patreon supporter badasses please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us we would be super psyched if you did uh it really helps us keep uh uh, the podcast going and that like we get to pay hosting and that kind of stuff so it's, it's really great that you would do that our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment free experience for everyone regardless of race gender age sexual orientation disability physical appearance body size knowledge of subject matter or religion or lack thereof we actively support an inclusive environment and we want you to be a part of it you can check out our full code of conduct over at our site i have a few things i wanted to share um i have three things one of them is i'm a fan of the fisher space pen uh and i'm a fan of a special version of the space pen called the trekker which is um it's a space pen but it's has a hole in the cap and a small like key ring uh in the cap as well in that hole Uh and so you can attach it to something like your keys but i attach it to the zipper of my messenger bag and I use it as a zipper pull, and it's really handy for that on my bike. And it's a pen. So, and it's like not a junky pen. Like it's a nice one. So, it's really, if you're a person who always wants to have a pen handy but doesn't like carrying a pen around in your pocket, um, this thing is great. And I've found it super useful over and over and over again. Uh, I had an old version of a zipper pull of the same type of pen. And the thing that, it, for years, and finally what happened, I don't know what happened, is. Either I didn't close it all the way and it fell out or something happened or I caught it on something, but it only the cap was dangling from my bag and the pin was gone. <laughs> uh, but the Fisher Space Pin Trekker Space Pin uh, feels more robust. So when you close it, it like kind of clicks close in a satisfactory way uh, and should be, should be good. The second thing I really love, and I may have talked about this before, is eBay. Like I've been super into eBay lately. They, if you are a person who's been to eBay before and maybe sold something years ago, They've really kind of changed up how they do stuff to make it as simple as possible to sell things. I think people were bogged down, uh, understandably, by that. Um, It's also quite easy to calculate your postage for USPS, and you just buy your postage straight through eBay now. And so you just print the label and stick it on the box. And you can even type in your box dimensions. So say you you have an old Amazon box that you want to use to sell with, you just put those dimensions in. And the weight's probably going to be roughly the same, but the box dimension is different. And so um, you can do that. And then even if you overestimate your postage because you're worried you're wrong, they'll give you a discount back uh, once the postage, actual postage goes through. USPS will say like, oh, you you overbought postage by three bucks. So here's your three bucks back. So it's really quite good. I've sold a number nice. of things recently on eBay that I just had like laying around that I thought, I'm never going to do anything with this. I could thrift it, but... It, it's a weird thing to thrift because electronics and thrifting are kind of strange. So I was like, oh, I'll just post this old camera on eBay and I've done really well. Um, but there's also other really cool stuff in there. So my third thing is the Dymo 1550 embossing label maker. And <laughs> the Dymo 1550 is one of the models you probably remember if you're a Gen Xer 
as a kid or if you're older than being a Gen Xer, it was the thing that you would like go chunk, 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 chunk. And like the letters would come out on this plastic tape that was sticky on the back. And so you would label like, I don't know, like a drawer or, or like a box of stuff or something. And it would crank out this sort of, um, all caps kind of typeface label that was sticky on the back. Um, if you're like a nineties era kid, it's like that distressed quote unquote typeface that was on like mini nineties era grunge records and stuff. <laughs> that's where that came from. <laughs> so if you, yeah. if you always wondered There's... like, what is that? That's what it is. Yeah. I'm posting the font right now. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Dymo font. And so, um, the 1550 is no longer made and there is one that is being made that is universally disliked because it's too flimsy and not so good. But I got a Dymo 1550 for $10 plus shipping on eBay. And uh, you can still buy the plastic tape that fits in that machine. So while there is like a sort of attached consumable to this label maker, they still make it. So you don't have to like go hunting for old rolls of tape. It's still being made. Mm -hmm. So um, it's old school. The labels are really great. They're super sticky. It looks cool. Uh, Yeah. So... Dymo 1550, eBay, and the Fisher Space Pen are my three things to share. So I made beer yes. this week. Yep. Uh, it, it was something, I've got a bunch of neighbors on the block with little kids, and so we've all got, you know, we're all just kind of sitting around looking for <laughs> projects on yep. Saturdays. Yep. And so it was nice. I had just had a bunch of people over, and then kind of Huck Finn-like, I sort of sat around while they did all the reading the instructions. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting because you have to, be, you have to uh, sterilize everything. So that's a that's a big issue. Yeah, uh, and I I don't know if it it'll ruin it. I think it'll make your beer taste nasty. Is yeah, one of the possibilities. But um, that bucket is sitting in my sitting right next to my water heater, doing its little thing. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh huh. Nice. I was really getting into. I've been getting into the AT Tiny eighty five this week. Oh yeah. So this is right. a um, an eight pin chip. So just about as small as a dip can get, uh, and it can do. I think it's got up to six I.O. lines, so even though it's eight pins. Well, I mean, you think about what an Arduino board's got on it. This has an internal crystal, and everything's in there. So yeah. you just give it... Uh, I think it can take either 3.3 or 5 volts, which makes it good for battery-operated stuff, too. Yep. It can do pulse width modulation. It can do a lot of stuff you want an Arduino to do. But when it comes down to it, I mean, Arduinos are actually kind of expensive if you have to dedicate one to each project. Yeah. So if you're like me, you're sort of, you know, you're working on a project and then you pull your Arduino out of it and then later you want to show someone the project and it's kind of a pain. But this way, you know, these are like a buck a piece and you can just stick them in something and forget about them. That's cool. Um, and is it Arduino like quote unquote compatible, meaning like you can write mm-hmm. Arduino code and use the ID and stuff for it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little more complicated because you need an uh-huh. AVR programmer. So uh, one of the things uh-huh. that ha- it doesn't attach via USB just natively, yeah. but it saves you a lot of space and cost. Uh, so I wrote some um, tutorials for it on my website, and I can oh. link to those. Sweet. So yeah, that guy. Uh, I'm also really into these hermaphroditic connectors that my uh, collaborator Nick uh, Bontrager, former friend of the show, former yeah. guest, but um, these great little uh, connectors that you just flip around, and so there's one gender, but they still plug in together. Oh, cool. And we got turned on to those by uh, Evan at QueerCon, which is an offshoot of DEF CON, and they were using those... That's because awesome. they can let you hook two boards together, but they mate to themselves, which is, is great to see a sort of a conceptual and technical reason to use that. That's them really cool, yeah. And so it's it's you just buy two of the same connector, and then they'll connect mm-hmm. to one another. 
That yep. is so yep. great. Wow. Because so many times I have, if you're making, you know, like a plug or something, like I have the one but not the other, you know? Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. That's really cool. Oh, I'm also really into, and uh, um, parallel with that, I'm really getting into I2C communication. Have you messed with this at all? No. Uh, so previously I did a lot of serial communication for my yeah. projects. Yeah. And uh, But all I'm ever really doing is communicating like six inches away. And so I2C is this spec that's often used. It, it needs to be kind of inside a device because it can't go that far, but it's really, really fast as long as you're just going you know, from here to there within an enclosure or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I2C is going to be the spec that Nick and I will use to have our little, um, I, I, I'll i document this project eventually to show everybody, but it'll, it'll be these um, conference badges that we encourage other people to expand. Oh, yeah. Cool. And then because it's I2C and because it's a standardized hermaphroditic connector, somebody else can, you know, build something on the AT Tiny and then just expect it to plug into the central board and work. Like, we don't oh, have to yeah. know what they're working on. Cool. And then um, so that, that connector is sort of an interface that other people could just, they could get the same connector and then connect it to mm-hmm. yours. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, so that's been that's been my stuff this week. Wow. Awesome. That's cool. Okay. For sure. Taylor. You ready? You have our chat. Who is our, who is our, I'm sorry, what's the name of our um, no, listener? Noah Walsh. Yes. Noah Walsh. Uh, curator. Temporary Chicago, and although I think she's soon moving to Vietnam, if I'm not mistaken, oh, cool. with her husband. So, um, so her challenge to us is mechanical breakfast. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, cool. There you go. Did she goes by she? Yes. Did she give any context for that one, or are we just left to mechanical breakfast our way through it? I think her husband is a mathematician. And so that's one of the areas that she travels in. And she she got interested in, she was watching videos of mathematicians cutting bagels so that they would form a uh, Mobius loop. Whoa. Apparently there's a way to do that where it stays as one piece. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so she, she was thinking about that. And then uh, that's kind of where the term mechanical breakfast came from. There goes my idea for a Mobius bagel. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> God. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we have a guest. Um, I'm pretty sure we have a guest lined up for our next episode. Things are looking good there. Fantastic. And yeah. so Mechanical Breakfast will be not only our challenge, but their challenge as well. Yeah. What will we do? What will we do? Taylor, we have done it. Episode 31 in the can. Well done, man. Yeah. First, first of many. 31st yes. of many. 31st of many. May On we, have, we go. Yes hand in hand hand in hand and and we are recording on a sunday afternoon which is unusual mm-hmm. for us and mm-hmm. i am going to go make a cup of coffee which is a yeah. weird thing to say because usually it's midnight or later <laughs> so oh yeah i know my 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 energy usually takes a dip uh, on those late night recordings and today yeah. i have no excuse and yet my yes. energy is dipping anyway <laughs> oh, you, you cut, come for the dad, stay for the Excel jokes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh.